0: This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54-53, to 53, North Carolina did it, North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're way to Worthy, Worthy 5, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court Carolina with foul, he
1: takes the timeout.
0: They're out of timeout. Front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebound. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national Gagum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would, I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnata.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. And there are times in a broadcaster's life when they know that they have arrived and they have made it in their respective broadcasting medium. And today, I know that I have finally made it and I have uh, achieved the things I've wanted to achieve as a podcast host. Because we are joined today by the esteemed Walker Mel, he is the host of the Wesson Walker Show on WFNZ, a show that I act as his producer. He's also the host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. In my opinion, the best NBA team podcast that exists. And uh, Walker, we've known each other for a long time. We have bond. We bonded over a love and appreciation of carolina basketball and after five years of begging
0: you have finally joined the show and i'm glad that you're here i was gonna say how different this was first of all thank you very much for the kind words uh as you might imagine it's not like i hear that constantly and so i appreciate it and then right at the end Right at the end, you say you've been begging me for five years, which just isn't quite factual, but I appreciate it. This is how you feel like you made it today, just because I'm hopping on the mic with you? Well, I mean,
1: look, I, when this was the Roy's Boys podcast, I invited you on, and you were like, man, I don't know. I don't do podcast hits. <laughs> and... uh Said I wasn't big enough. Didn't have the download numbers to to, to give your opinions and your your thoughts. and it made me sound
0: like I'm just a jerk.
1: <laughs> and, and you know now, uh, you know now we've arrived. You know we had over fifty thousand downloads last year and. You know, you finally said that that was adequate
0: enough for your standard of a podcast to join, and that's right. I, I uh, the the fifty k mark. I don't do any <laughs> pods with anything less than fifty k downloads, and so now that you hit that, now I will grace you with my presence. You're welcome about it.
1: So you know, the thing about it is, you know, I, I we've known each other five years. I used to be your intern at another radio station, and now we we work together closely. On the show, the thing that we both bonded over was a love for basketball in general. You're a hoop head. I'm a hoop head. Um, and specifically with, with UNC basketball, although you say today that while you're still a fan, you're not the rabid diehard that I still am today, which is fine. You're a lot more professional than I, <laughs> but everybody like has a, a memory when like they first fell in love with whatever it is. For me, like I knew that Carolina basketball meant something when they lost in the two thousand seven Elite Eight to Georgetown, and I can remember my dad blessing Roy Williams out for blowing an eleven point lead in three minutes. For you as a guy that, you know, is four years older than I, so you got to see some of the late nineties stuff. You lived the early two thousands when the team in the program wasn't all that successful. What was
0: it that stood out to you that made you fall in love with Carolina basketball? Yeah, man, my origin story all begins with the 2000 Tar Heel team that made it to the Final Four as an eight seed. That is what bred my love of sports. It's what allowed my love of sports to transition from not only basketball to then started love for baseball, football, all of it. It's why I do what I do because of the way I fell in love with Ed Coda, the way I love, fell in love with Chris Lang, Brendan Haywood. Watching that squad was the origin story. And so when I get to see that squad, I would make like paper draw. I would just draw the pieces of paper and then cut them out and then put these guys on popsicle sticks. Oh, yeah. Big time Carolina nerd boy (laughs) as like a God, eight year old, something like that, where I'm setting up five on five, just inner squad blue versus white. That's what I'm rolling with and hanging at the edge of my seat. Watching them continue to win these games in the NCAA tournament and get to that Final Four. When it was real, they beat Stanford as the number one seed, and they kept rolling on before they eventually lost to Florida. But that was my squad, man. I had my favorite players, and after that, I was hooked. The sport I already loved because basketball has dominated my family. My grandfather started that love, learning how to shoot on a lard bucket, okay? Like, that's real. That's some James Naismith (laughs) type-ish. His older brother brought a lard bucket back home, taught him how to shoot on said lard bucket, and – he became the only person for a while, at least, and it still may be true. My grandfather's the only person to letter at both Indiana and Butler. Played for Branch McCracken and Tony Hinkle, and both are legendary coaches in Indiana. So th- the love of basketball was already there, but then growing up in North Carolina once I moved down here, getting to see the Heels before I realized what their history was. I didn't know their history. Like, yeah. it just It was just, hey, this is a team that we cheer for, and they're on their way to... You know, making a Final Four run not as a number one squad like it wasn't necessarily expected that year with them being an eight seed, and that's how I fell in love, man. That's what bred my rabid love of that squad, and here I am because of it.
1: Again, it's just to me, it's funny how unique, similar we are. Your favorite team was a team that didn't win a national championship. For me, my favorite team, the 2016 team, that was now granted a number one seed had those expectations, they lose in heartbreaking fashion, but even that twenty seventeen that won a national championship, the team two years ago that retired Coach K doesn't have my heart that uh that twenty sixteen uh group still has. Another thing that, you know, we, we, we talk about a lot as as sports fans are superstitions, um, and I, being a you know a fan during the Roy Williams era, I believe in them because he believed in them because everything he said I thought was uh, the the God's honest truth. And sure. I also learned when your rabbit days you had superstitions of your own that involved a chicken Alfredo and a and a cutting board that you had to have. I just want to know how
0: that originated, because for it to be a superstition, it's rather unique, and I appreciate that. All right, so I think with superstition, us as fans try everything we possibly can to have control over the outcome. Even though logic speaks to us saying, no, look, this is clearly insane, yet we do it anyway because we can't take that risk, Fitty. Yeah. But if I don't knock on wood and Carolina misses this shot— Am I going to leave this game knowing I did everything I could to help Carolina get over the hump? No. So we're knocking on wood. So really, I, I actually, I wanted, if you wanted me to talk about the cutting board first, because I would knock on the wood table or the floor anytime the announcer said, Carolina's on a 10-2 run. I hated the runs updates, <laughs> hated it because I knew exactly – because basketball is a game of runs, and just so yeah. coincidentally, right, quote-unquote, the other team would score because it's hard to go on a 16-2 run once you point out a 10-2 run. So many times I was convinced that, okay, once they announce it, the other team is going to score. So I was constantly knocking on wood. Like, that's just how it was. I asked my mom for a tar heel cutting board, the shape of the heel – For me to have while I was watching these Tar Heel games and God bless her, my mom got it for me. The chicken Alfredo, really, it it wasn't as much. I just, the two championship games I got to see, 2005, 2009, before I eventually went to college and was out of that realm. I had chicken Alfredo in 2005 and we won. It's like my favorite food, getting to watch <laughs> Carolina beat Illinois while eating my chicken Alfred. I was like, well, hell, we're doing this again in 2009. Like, what What else are we going to eat? Uh, we're eating that damn thing again. So that's what I did, too. yeah, I, I needed th- – the other superstition here, watching them play Kansas when they lost in the Final Four in 2008. I had a couple people come over had you know all the snacks and bo- both of my boys that came over we were all carolina fans who we were all on the same side we were eating skittles and i don't even know if it's true or not but i made it up in my head so i could believe that it was true when carolina came back okay cuz they get destroyed by 20 they start coming back and making this run to where oh okay are you telling me there's an actual shot to win this game I was convinced that it was because I was only eating red Skittles at the time. (laughs) And so I kept doing it, kept doing it. And I kid you not, at least then Walker believes it. And I don't want to find out if it's true or not. So I'm just going to let it be true. But we ran out of Skittles. And then, of course, Kansas would start to separate again. And so I'll take blame for that one. It's because I ran out of Skittles that they lost in uh, 2008 to Kansas.
1: So, you you know, you mentioned that the fandom changed. You went to college and you went to Charlotte. You didn't go. You didn't go to UNC. And now you're a, you're a professional radio host um, in the Charlotte market, but a market that still covers Carolina basketball. I mean, we talk about the heels. It feels like every day on on FNC. Do you find yourself missing the way you used to be invested from the fan? Because, like, now you're watching it, and there's still, there's still the fan in you. Yeah. But a lot of it is a work part where, like, you know you're going to talk about them. Because, like, for me, and you probably know this, when I – I try to give you analysis that that is objective, but a lot of it is what I watch as a fan that stands for two hours and and yells and screams. Do do, do you do you miss that, or do you like where you are now, where you still uh, love and maybe appreciate the program, but you're not knocking on a Tar Heel cutout board on a ten 2
0: run? Yeah, I wouldn't say that I I miss it because I did love it when I was growing up, but I'm cool with where I'm at now. And just to like describe my fandom now, right, going to Charlotte. I I definitely pull for the 49ers. That's who I would love to see win constantly. They're having a great year, so that's fantastic. But I still want Carolina to win. Every single time I watch them, I'm pulling for them. That's how it is. It used to ruin my day, and I know we've talked about this. It used to ruin my day. Yeah, My mom would you know i don't I don't know how we if we can cuss but I, was, I she would kick my you know what <laughs> if I was acting a fool after a loss she said oh it my mom loves telling this story I was like no it ruined my day it, like it and I pulled for Carolina she's still a, a huge heels fan just because of how big of a fan I was but if they lost, that was it when mm-hmm. they lose in the NCAA tournament I've talked about this before when they lost to George Mason, I'm going out there imitating the moves. Of Tyler Hansborough and then connecting on the shots that he didn't just to make up for it in my, you know, again, where fans were not logical, right? So that just made it a little better, but it ruined it. That's not the case anymore. It would ruin my day with them losing. Watching the Chris Jenkins shot hurt. I don't know if that's taboo. You might have to bleep that one out. <laughs> watching that shot hurt to the where like, I, was, I, I was punching uh, laundry that I had folded earlier that night. So still, the passion was still there. Uh, the Austin River shot. I'm sorry. This is the painful part. I'm just trying to say <laughs> where the passion was. The Austin River shot. I was watching with a Duke fan at that time. <laughs> the loss that I lost sleep over. That was one. Oh, yeah. Couldn't, couldn't sleep. I was so mad. I was so mad. I was already in college at that point. So, yeah, it's still there. I, I think working in this business, you the, the thing I attribute to losing some of that stuff is developing somewhat of a relationship with players. And it's not like I'm hanging out with these guys. I don't want to paint the wrong picture. But you get to know these guys individually. And then you start, you know, understanding who they are as a person, not just as the dude you watch on the screen but as who they are, and it starts to, like, you even get to talk to some really cool guys that used to play for the enemy. One, a Duke player I liked at all. Not one iota. Oh, who's the Duke player you least hated? No, I hated all of them. Screw all of them. That's how (laughs) it was. Not anymore, though, and it's just because you get to realize who these guys are, and so that's why I think the hatred is gone, the love for Carolina winning like, isn't as there, but I still pull for him every single game. Like, I want them to win every single time they're on the court.
1: You know, what's funny, and you got the chance, we had the chance to be a part of, we've been a two ACC Mm tip-offs. And, like, so you talk about, like, you build that, we've, we've, we've met John Shire. And it was funny, like, for me, like, even when I shook his hand, I think he knew there was something going on with me because he's the nicest guy in the world, Tony Bennett. Yeah. A guy that our listeners know I cannot stand nicest guy in the world and so it's something that i think even i'm struggling with because i don't think wanting them to win like i'm 27 going on 28 and when they lose and, and i think you learned this firsthand last year it it i'm difficult i was i'm not i'm not happy i still lose sleep over losses i would like to think i would grow out of it maybe I, my dad would say you're going to grow up one day maybe i'm going to have a wife and a family god knows i don't know and maybe some other things will become more important but for me, I'm still there. Um, but, it, you know, it is nice that I'm – because I feel like whenever that happens for me, if it happens for me, right, I'm going to struggle with it. Because for 15-plus years, I've been this way. Mm-hmm. And it feels like I do have someone where I can be like, Walker, you know, they lost and I didn't, you know, I didn't cry or I didn't, I didn't throw something. So. Well,
0: but, like, you're also <laughs> – I think it all comes from what your expectation is because you weren't bad when they lost to Georgia Tech. Like, clearly, you're angry as hell. You know, I guess, what was their most recent loss? Not, you know, not... uh, Uh, Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah. When they lost to Syracuse, like, there was some found peace in, oh, man, they're shooting long twos. They shot 63%, and those guys are shooting long twos, where you can't talk to old fan Walker and try to make sense of it. Carolina lost, and everything should burn. Yeah. Same thing with you, where, like, if it's a bad loss, you didn't expect it, yeah, you're going to be hell. But you weren't hell after Syracuse, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just all about what your expectations are heading in. Actually applying context to what's happening when Carolina had the championship expectations that they did two years ago, and the loss that really started to have both of us worried. We've talked about this before. That Pittsburgh loss, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it start. That's that was when I like panicked so early, and then they never got back to find their way, and that was a hard season because. You come in with a completely different picture, but then you start to understand what that team is. Like, this team, we still feel okay. Now, when they lose a the tournament game, even some of that passion is going to come back for me because I'm going to be pissed, and I know it's going to be there for you. But, like, right now, I think we get it. Carolina's really good. Yeah. And it's you know a little bit touch and go right now because of the ACC, because of just the normal landscape of college basketball, but... We realize what this Carolina team is capable of, and so we're not going to trip too hard off of some of these losses. Even though we, of course, want them to win.
1: I mentioned that you know you do have me by about four years in age, so you've seen you've seen more, you've seen a different era of of, of Carolina basketball than I. Where like if I'm putting together a starting five for me, they're all Roy Williams guys. Where for you, you got to see the end of Coach Smith, yeah. go to Bill Guthridge, the transition into the Roy Williams era. I know that Ed Cota and Vince Carter are two guys that that you probably still to this day you love and respect and would love probably faint if you ever got the chance to meet them
0: I've I've thought about if I ever get to interview Vince Carter I thought about this 2 days ago because I I'm not one that's going to be starstruck and I'm not looking for a pat on the back that's like it sounds so douchey like I totally don't mean for it to sound this douchey what I will tell you is I like I don't get starstruck that much Vince Carter it's very possible like he's in the yeah. NBA landscape maybe one day that happens I mean, that was the guy like that. So, yes, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's that was, (laughs) dude, if I got a chance to interview Vince, I would have to be like, all right, Walker, chill out, chill out,
1: chill out. So my question is, is if you had to put together a starting five from your childhood,
0: what does that starting five look like? Well, so Vince was just too early. I missed him. at I knew he went there. So that that also helped, you know, my huge fandom of Vince. But I didn't watch him. I don't remember watching him play at Carolina like that. 2000, right? That's when I got in. And so that was the Ed Coda's, so you speak. Ed Coda's n- number one. Loved him. It, it, what's crazy, like, I'll, you know, p- people that are listening to this right now, go to YouTube and watch Ed Coda's YouTube highlights. They're and one professor. Oh, he shouldn't be allowed to do that stuff. Like, it's crazy to think that that guy put on a North Carolina jersey. So Ed is still number one. Man, I have to go Tyler Hansborough. The thing about Hansborough was, okay, so you move on from a championship team. Man, now we got to reload. It's the first time Roy Williams was ever tasked with reloading with his own guys. So, okay, are we going to take a big old back seat? Like, how much of a step back do we take when you lose May and Felton and McCants and all those guys? All right, we're we'll just get the best Carolina basketball player of all time. And you know it immediately how good he's going to be. Yeah. So, Hansborough's up there. Ed Coda, Hansborough, th- those guys are on my list. I loved Julius Peppers. One of my favorite—it's He and Vince are my two favorite athletes probably ever. So Julius Peppers has to be on this just from a a pure fan standpoint. The shooting guard is kind of tough. I mean, I I had this weird affinity for Jawad Williams just because I wanted. I know he's not a shooting guard, but I also had this weird affinity for Jawad just because I felt like everybody else is getting love. Make, pay attention to Jawad. It, Raymond Felton I love. Sean May is great. Guys, pay attention to Jawad. He's good, too. I So maybe Jawad would get up there. Um, Raymond Felton. Loved Raymond Felton. Loved Kendall Marshall. Huge point guard guy. Yeah, same here. Huge point guard guy. So if I had to choose, I'm I'm trying to figure it out. Give me Ed Coda. Give me Kendall Marshall in the backcourt. I know there's not a lot of shooting, but my <laughs> God, you don't know where the basketball is going. So I'm going with those two guys. Give me Peppers and Hansborough in the frontcourt. And then as far as a wing goes, I'm, I I think I like Harrison Barnes more than the average fan. Mm-hmm. Like, his wow moments were sick. Yeah. So, I did like Harrison Barnes. Maybe we can put him in. Um, I, I'll, I'll settle on that five. I'm trying to think of some other wings that might make sense, but I love all those players. I'll tell you, like Rashad McCants. I love watching him play, dude. Like his numbers are crazy, but I know we can't say that anymore. No, we we certainly
1: cannot. And God, he he continues to just make it harder. I know. God, to get I him back it. in the family, we're spending time with Walker Mail. He is the host of the Wesson Walker Show on WFNZ in Charlotte, and the host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Having a lot of fun, you know, just going down and and going down memory lane for you, but. Did not want to talk about this year's team because, as you mentioned, this year's this year's team is is really really good. I can remember a day back in the summer um, after Carolina landed Harrison Ingram, where we were kind of just sitting where we sit planning our show, and I think we spent like fifteen to twenty minutes talking about him, the potential, the way he fits, and um, you know he's he's been he's been everything and more for what Carolina wanted and needed, and he's a big reason why this th- this team is where they are today. Has he impressed you the most of any current Tar Heel, or do you still look at what RJ's doing as – the lead guard in his role or just a consistent force that Armando continues to be and maybe think those guys have been more impressive?
0: I think Harrison is my answer to that. I think RJ, with the consistent scoring that he provides, is still the guy that should be ACC player of the year. I'm not going to take any accolades away from him. The thing about Harrison Ingram is that he's going to show up no matter what isn't falling for him, what isn't working for him that night he's always going to impact the game in a monster way. And I think that's what I love. When they picked him up from Stanford, going back, watching him play, looking at his numbers, I thought it's exactly what they needed. And I thought that he actually wasn't going to shoot all that well from three. Like I expected, okay, here you're going to get a guy that contributes in a lot of different ways. I wanted good passing again. Like Carolina, when they had Caleb Love and R.J. Davis – they it was the your turn my turn type style we all know how it didn't work out with caleb even though i hated how it didn't work out but it was just true and the passing wasn't there they didn't pass like they used to they didn't have that guard that did it and they still don't to be fair but that's where harrison ingram comes in and helps you out that guy can pass with the best of them certainly at that position his rebounding is nuts i he can just put up some monster type rebounding games And the fact that the shooting is there is a bonus, I'd like for him to finish a little more inside. Like, I thought that was actually going to be there more than the three-point shooting. Yeah, man, I'm all in on Harrison Ingram. He provides a floor for this team where it feels like you're always going to have it. And if you don't, which I was surprised to see in one of these games, if you don't have it, it won't come from Harrison Ingram's side like he's always going to bring it in. And the fact that he can help you in so many different ways, he's the guy that I'm most impressed with. Maybe that's a little confirmation bias because I thought he was going to be really good for this team coming in. But I don't think we saw this. Like he's – if he plays another year, Fiddy, like – here I am calling you Fiddy. I know I'm supposed to call you something different. If, <laughs> if, if he plays another year and puts up these types of numbers and let's just say North Carolina has a successful season this year in the tournament, they do it again next year – we're talking about him in a really glowing way yeah. where he maybe he makes some people's all-time teams just as far as their favorite players goes.
1: You mentioned that the passing isn't where it has been in years past. And that's even with the guy like Elliot Cadeau on the roster who yeah, that's when, when, yeah, when, yeah, yeah. When, when he reclassified, I mean, I looked at him and said he single-handedly changed the way Carolina plays overnight. And I think he does because it allowed RJ to move off the ball, their secondary break, all that stuff. Has returned. With that being said, there was a lot of hype and expectation around him coming in a year early. Do you think he's lived up to the hype, or do you think maybe in some aspects he's underwhelmed and hasn't been as good as we thought he was going to be? No, and
0: you're right to bring him up. Yeah, just thinking about the the normal contributors, and Cadeau's in that class, but he's he's the passer you look to from you know trying to find that old-fashioned North Carolina point guard as much as you can. You know, I don't I don't want to say it's been underwhelming. I, I think there have been some of those moments. And I like Cado a lot. I think he's really good. The the fact that when we found when, when Duke started playing so far off of him in the second half of yeah. that victory, and then you started to see other teams do it, I we talked about it on Wesson Walker. It is Duke probably they they had the idea they just didn't execute it well enough in the first half specifically and then in the second half they did because Cadeau was beating those guys off of the dribble they're giving him so much space he is crafty enough to still have that work against you until they just started giving you the Caitlin Clark treatment where they just wave you off and say okay we don't care if he shoots and then he started to struggle more so. He hit a few shots here and there from distance. What is it? Does he have a three? The last three games? Uh, I yeah yeah that that sounds right. Either the last two or last three. Yeah. So it's coming, and you got to shoot it. You can't just be so scared and drive every time, or they're never going to respect it. You have to throw them up, even if you're not a good shooter. But yeah, like I would have liked to have seen the shot come along a little bit more. So, and there are times where like Huber can't play him. Mm-hmm. There are some of those times. I think he's great defensively. And that that's something that maybe takes me off of the underwhelming thing because he can split a ball screen really well. Like when guys try to shut him off, he will put his foot right in between the ball handler and the ball screen. And I think he has pretty good hand discipline. Like I think he throws his hands up and doesn't foul. And so I really like that from him. But, yeah, I think offensively probably expected more. Probably expected a little bit more.
1: A few more and I'll let you go, Walker. Um, You know, at a program like Carolina where – Championship is the standard. Um, you know, legacy is a is a it's a big word. It's a it's a powerful world or a powerful word. We use it all the time in our daily um sports talk vernacular. Armando Bacon and RJ Davis have talked about legacy a lot, especially with Armando, um, who wants to leave a legacy that's gonna last a lifetime. And part of it is they're all they're gonna be remembered forever because they were on the team that beat Coach K and Cameron in his final Duke game, and they beat Coach K in the final four in a game that officially ended the rivalry. Outside of that, though, and these are two guys that I love. I'm going to go watch their senior nights because it's going to be hard saying goodbye to them. They haven't accomplished a whole lot. How important is it for them to get at least an ACC
0: regular season title under their names? I think it's, it's important. I think we've talked about this before. It, it It's tough because I think when we – let's just focus on Baycott for a second. I think if we start to focus on Baycott and his legacy, I think what's always going to be unfortunate is the fact that he's the butt of a lot of jokes when we say, oh, he's an eight-year player because of the extra year of mm-hmm. eligibility because of COVID. Wes clowns him all the time on Wes and Walker because he doesn't have a bag, and then we constantly question what he works on. We love Armando's personality, but like – Go back to that NCAA tournament, Ron. Man, he showed up. Yeah, he grabbed a ton of rebounds in the championship game. He tried, but the court was shaking like a trampoline, and <laughs> Armando was hurt already, and so it was really difficult for him to stay out there. But Armando gave you double-digit rebounds. What did he give you a double-double every single one of those games? Yeah, first guy to ever do it. So it's like he did show up. RJ, as soon like a, <laughs> as soon as Caleb Love leaves, RJ explodes, yeah, and and there are some problems with him finishing inside the three-point arc now because teams are being physical, and he's just shorter to begin with, but the three-point shot's still there. He's still been incredible, and a lot of offensive burden falls on him. So I still think their legacy will go a long way, plus they have the most important win. They ended Coach K. Yeah. It, it was being talked about leading up to that game as the ultimate trump card. Caleb Love has his part in that too, but if Armando has a double-double... If R.J. Davis is on that squad, and R.J. was good in the tournament. Like, he had a bunch of big old shots. You, I, it felt like any he got to the elbow, it was going in. I just felt good about it nonstop. So, the fact that they played such a big part in getting that victory over Duke, getting to the championship, and, yeah, they didn't win it, but, God, it's such a tough run for them. It would be nice to have the ACC title. It would be nice to have some nice, shiny thing attached to their name. That's big. But man, it's it's tough to take a lot of the other accolades and the fact that they showed up for them. It's not like they were bystanders, right? Like they were the reason that they were able to accomplish what they have at this point in their career. So Carolina
1: sits right now. They're twenty and six. They're twelve and three in the league, atop the ACC standings, projected to be a number two seed uh, in the NCAA tournament. That's what we saw on Saturday in the bracket preview show. With that though, um, a lot of whether it's guys within or fans within the Carolina fan base themselves or people in the college basketball world not confident that this team is going to play deep into March and maybe make a Final Four. From, and from, from your standpoint, from your viewpoint, what should make Carolina fans confident that this team can play deep into March and maybe make a second Final Four under Heber Davis?
0: That they fit perfectly together on the basketball court. That's how I've described them all year long it's why I was so high on them coming into this season I don't know if I expected battling for a number one seed but I did expect them to you know battle for like a I thought a three seed was Mm -hmm. probably my expectation and they're going to outperform that at least in my opinion we'll see what happens here down the stretch of the regular year so they fit so well together getting Harrison Ingram was a godsend for them just because of how he fits right Armando being the big guy to gobble up all the rebounds he's played better pick and roll defense this year just been better defensively altogether RJ finally understanding what his role is I think communication has been key you know what I think Hubert Davis learned a lot I think we saw that this offseason that Hubert Davis admitted basically with how he put this team together and the hard conversation he had to have with Caleb Love I think he learned quite a bit too so the fact that Hubert Davis (laughs) in a weird situation where you're talking about a third-year head coach, has championship game experience. He's been there. He's got the monster victories over Coach K in Cameron and in the Final Four. You have R.J. Davis and Armando who has that experience too. And this is a talented group. So if you just wanted to go, oh, you know they're not good enough. No, man, they're good. They've got a lot of talent over there, and they all fit really well together. I think those are some of the reasons why you have to look at them – as one of the favorites to make the Final Four, and if you can make the Final Four, like if you're that good, we know how crazy March is. We see 11 seeds make it to the Final Four. We see 8 seeds make it to the Final Four all the time. North Carolina absolutely has that possibility.
1: Yeah, we certainly hope so. Our good buddy Nada Edwards, he joined us. He joined me early in the week. He said that Carolina is still the, the team behind UConn he trusts the most and hopefully we see that parlay once we get to March Madness. I can't believe it's already almost that time of the year. Well, that's that's all I have for you, Walker. But before I let you go, I do have to ask you mm-hmm. now that you've been a guest on my podcast,
0: when can I yeah. expect to join the uh, Locked on Hornets podcast? Oh, no, no, because look, I, I do feel some pressure. I do, now that you had me on. But, Fitty, I know you too well. Like, you talk a lot of trash about the NBA. You talk a lot of trash about the Hornets. And <laughs> it's going to be really tough to have. Yeah, hey, we bring Fitty on. It's like, what's the deal? with steve clifford like what well, why is a defensive coach in an offensive league still the head guy and now all these the thing is there's going to be a lot of hornets fans that actually would be interested in those types of takes we'll we'll figure it out we'll figure it out now that we'll try to balance the scale since you had me on four corners
1: well i i appreciate you joining me five years past due but i had a lot of fun and we'll have to do it again
0: soon you gonna bring me on going to do it again? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I'm just making sure all this five years waiting stuff, you know, that's all BS. And so I didn't know if this was BS too, but I'm here, Fiddy. I'm here if you want me.
1: That is the voice of Walker Mail. He is the host of the Wes and Walker Show. You can listen to it 12 to 3 every day on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Plug people. Where
0: can they find the Locked on Hornets podcast? Anywhere you get your podcast, YouTube, check us out on Twitter at Locked on Hornets, at Walker Mail on Twitter. We're tweeting that out. Wherever you can, uh, you know, you can get those links there and, and catch us live on YouTube or you can even listen to us just uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever we're uh, releasing an episode Monday through Friday. Lots of Hornets conversation. It's very frequent. So odds are you can find a- an updated episode anywhere you get your pods.
1: There you go. That is Walker Mail. He is the host, as I mentioned, of the Wesson Walker Show right here on WFNZ and the host of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Well, before we wrap up this edition of the show, we do got to get you a word from one of our partners. Hey there, Josh here for the Autograph Fandom app. Want to get rewarded for listening to our show? The team at Autograph, co-founded by Tom Brady, is redefining the fan experience by letting users earn points for the acts of fandom they take every day, like listening to this show. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to your favorite UNC content in one place and offers rewards like tickets, exclusive merchandise, and much more. You're already listening to our show, but now you can earn points and get rewarded for it. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Fandom Rewarded and download it today. For free, using the referral code HEELTOUGH. Link and code are also in our podcast description. Really do want to thank uh, all the awesome people over at Autograph. It's been a lot of fun teaming up with them, working with them. We're excited about uh, what the future has and holds with that great partnership. But that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Guys, before we let you go, we do encourage you visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where um, you know we have you covered with all things coming in Carolina basketball, um, the Heels back in action this weekend at Virginia in a marquee game in the ACC. I'll have you covered on that front. Any news and notes that come out of the football program, you know Anthony has you covered uh, on that front as well. Just make sure you're staying locked in, checking that website daily, HeelToughBlog.com, latest Carolina basketball, Tar Heel football coverage. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, simply search the Four Corners Podcast, and we will pop up. Or there, we do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any dishes of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, it is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do want to thank Walker once again for joining me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, Go Tar Heels!
0: Sweet the